Hey, everybody, welcome to the Grow Yourself podcast. I'm your host, Kevin McNulty, and this is your personal development school of growth, where each week my guests and I will bring and break down big ideas and practices that will help you learn, grow, and succeed in life. Thanks for checking us out. Now, let the growth begin. Hey, everybody, welcome to another insightful episode of the Grow Yourself podcast. I'm so happy to have you join me here on this transformative journey where we try to unravel profound ideas and distill them down into bite-sized pieces of wisdom to fuel our personal growth as human beings. You know, in this week's episode, I'm gonna slightly uh, deviate from from my typical conversation on personal growth. Uh, I mean, it'll still be there, but, but I have to tell you that sometimes I meet people who are just so interesting, so fascinated, be it them as a person or their story or some aspect of their life that I just feel compelled to bring them here on this podcast so that you can meet them as well. And uh, so I'm going to call this, when I do this little series, if you will, or this type of episode, I'm going to call it a person of interest episode. And so indeed, I have a person of interest here. Now, many of you know that I raised two daughters, that my wife and I raised two daughters. And, and having done so, you know, we, but I, uh, you know, as a man, you know, promote this this idea of girl power, meaning Jane and I raised our girls to be strong and to stand up for themselves, to be confident and so forth. In any event, I think my guest epitomizes this notion in many ways, and you'll get it when you hear her, when you hear her story, you'll see exactly what I mean. And so my guest is Debbie Peterson. She's a former mayor. She's uh, an award-winning entrepreneur. She's also the author of a best-selling book, which will, you know, come in the form, eventually come in the form of a series called Integrity 101, and we'll be talking about integrity, by the way. She's also the author of another book, and, and it was this book, actually, that grabbed my attention about her, and it's called, wait for it, <laughs> The Happiest Corruption, Sleaze, Lies, and Suicide in a California Beach Town. I mean, I kid you not. Uh, in any event, you're going to hear about this true account of a political situation, a political happening in this small town, and also a lot more about Debbie's really, uh, truly amazing life. So, But also in our conversation, we're going to talk about the idea of why it's important to look behind, let's call it the proverbial curtain, you know, particularly when it comes to business or politics, or to use another metaphor, you know, we should understand who is pulling the strings in society and so forth. So let me stop there and just welcome Debbie Peterson to Grow Yourself. Debbie, welcome to Grow Yourself podcast. Thank you. I'm really, really happy to be here. I listened to your podcast and I, the message is um, so encouraging. Thank you. Thank you very, very much. As I always do, Debbie, could you just tell our audience a little bit about, you know, who is Debbie? Well, you know, the first thing that really struck me when I I, I met you and, and started looking at your podcast was that you have been in the Air Force, uh, that you understand training. <laughs> and um, I my father was in the Air Force and he oh. was a, uh, he was um, touted as one of the top 10 trainers at a very young age, I think he was 22 years old. And so I, I immediately think, well, we probably have some cultural understandings yes. of what good leadership really looks like. Mm -hmm. And some of the best leadership I've seen has come from people who've been in the military. And some of the highest praise I've had has been being called a hero by 
um, you know, wow. by someone who was in the military. That wow. it gets no better, it gets no higher than that. So wow. um, thank you. And and so I was raised by parents who, um, like yours, allowed me to have my own opinions, make my own decisions, raise me to be strong, raise me to understand the consequences and face them. Um, mm. And and so I I ended up with a degree in communication and then and helped my mother launch her own country company country <laughs> company that would, be, that, that would, that would really be something impress me yeah you know <laughs> yeah i can't i can't go there but allowed me uh, allowed me to help launch her company mm-hmm. when okay. i was just out of college with my communications degree and then because i'd been a member of a presbyterian church i had done a lot of exchanges uh with other young scottish people in and done volunteer work in scotland with a communications degree i wanted to work abroad i needed to go somewhere where they more or less speak english mm-hmm. and yeah. and so <laughs> Um, at least not American English, but English, proper English sometimes. And um, so I went and worked in Great Britain and I worked Mm. in a couple of advertising agencies, realized that there was going to be a glass ceiling, that the economy wasn't right probably at that point Mm. and started looking around and saying, well, they've been nice enough to let me come work here. What can I, what could I do that would be the most helpful thing for this community? And there was 33 and a third percent unemployment in the shipyards in Glasgow. This was in the 1980s. And so I I thought, you know, I could start my own business. I think my mother's business would do very well here. And I'd been testing new products, new food products in my role with the various um, uh, agencies and clients I worked with in advertising and marketing. So I took an entrepreneurship course at Glasgow University, uh, started my own company, and um, it was a roaring success. So I had a, a wonderful experience at a very young age, I was 24, of being becoming really kind of a celebrity in Great Britain with, with employing everybody I employed apart from my board. They were, were under 30 years old. And, and at one point we had a hundred of us. So this, I had a wonderful, wonderful experience that's, there. I mean, amazing. I really didn't know all of that. I knew that you'd spent time in Great Britain. So this was in Glasgow. Now, mm-hmm. I think it's important people understand that you said this was in the 80s. And so, you know, when we think, oh, you know, started a business, you know, in Glasgow or Great Britain or somewhere else. I mean, this is not an Internet business. This was when no Internet didn't exist. So, wow, to start one in another country, I think is remarkable. Yeah. And I, I, I have to say at 24, I was still too young to know that I couldn't do it. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> and and um, the way I looked at it was, you know, this is a game and I can play this game. Yeah. Oh, and I right. can play it well and I'm going to. Interesting. Oh, very, very interesting. Okay. So you spent time there and where, where are you residing now? You know, where are you well, calling? Uh, yes. I, I lived there for 20 years and, um, in Glasgow? and by then I was in, in Scotland. Yeah. In Glasgow. Wow. I lived there for 20 years and, um, at, I, fi- I finally sold my company after 13 years and did a lot of management consulting and realized with my son that he he should be raised. I wanted him to be raised in the United States, okay. be- not so much because it was the United States, but because that's where our family was. Yeah, and I, yeah. I knew he would be an only child. And so yeah. we came back to California where I grew up. Okay. And, um, and I also much preferred the schooling system. Sure. I just didn't feel I was going to be able to have him be educated in the in the way that I wanted him to be educated. Yeah, fair enough. The values yeah. you know, absolutely. that matter to me. That's that's very interesting. Yes. And 
and because um, I've lived overseas many times, and I, and I get your point there that although there are you know great and wonderful things in all these different countries, it is different, and you have to recognize that if if your child is coming back or you're you know to the to the United States, that so in any event, I appreciate that. So listen, um, so now, so then, so you started a business for 20 years in Glasgow. I didn't know it had it was that long, and so you came back to the states, and um, and you eventually. Uh, came around to writing this book. We don't have a lot of time, so I'm kind of, if there's anything that's before that, please jump in and say that, say it. But I want to bring out this idea of this book that you wrote, which is just fascinating story that you tell. So can you just tell our audience a little bit about, you know, how, how you came about to this book? Yeah, I decided after a few years of being back and I was working as a team with my mother as a real estate bro or a real realtor at that point. Okay. Um, I was I kept being asked by neighbors if I would run for the city council and my son was young and I was working full time and I didn't feel like the timing was right. So I yeah. instead I asked if I could be appointed to the planning commission and I served there and chaired the commission for a couple of years, served there for four years. Then I ran for office to be a city council member. And then after four years there, I ran for mayor. And went back to the council for three years after that. So for about 15 years, from the time my son was, I guess, about eight years old, I was um, involved in in um, local government. Very, very interesting. And so, you know, just tell us about that experience. Well, the book. That, you wanted to know well, about the book. Of well, course. you Let know, me... I mean, what yeah. where you ended up with the book. I mean, this, you, you ran for city council and it's just mind blowing, you know, where this went. <laughs> Well, my experience on the planning commission was wonderful. It was everything you would want it to be if you go in to serve, to make things better, to listen to people, to find oh, solutions, wow. um, to work together, to mitigate issues. And and then I got onto the city council. And the first thing that happened is one of the former mayors who I knew, he was a neighbor, came to me and said, Debbie, there's terrible corruption. Get this at the sewer district. And I mean, you need to go in and clean it up. Doesn't get any lower <laughs> so, than that. <laughs> yeah. And over the next four years, as I was on the city council, I kept coming across uh, boards where they just were not overseeing what was going on, where things were just slipping and sliding and nobody seemed to know or care. And nobody seemed to know their roles and responsibilities. And about four of the 16 of them, if they weren't corrupt, were wide open for corruption. And of course, I saw all this because I'd set up my own board at a young age. I'd been mm. in business. I could read accounts and wow. I could see that things were not um, open and transparent by any stretch and were not being taken care of. And uh, and there were people left, right and center. And I'm and that, I, that we're talking politics. They're left, right and center who were coming to me and telling me there was corruption. So. I, in the end, I became mayor, we sorted some of it out, but it got to the point that it was so extreme, it was so powerful because it had been allowed to go on for so long that I couldn't do anything else. I was completely outnumbered. And, and so I thought, well, okay, power of the pen, I can write, I'm gonna write the book. So I wrote The Happiest Corruption, Sleaze, Lies and Suicide in a California Beach Town. And it is the true story of what I found and, and how, we, how we fixed it. And um, some stories about other places where there's been corruption and the fact that it has been, it can be fixed. You know, there, ooh, there's so many things in there that I, that I heard, but one of the things that really um, caught my attention was this idea that, that and, and I guess, and you know, uh, 
infinitely more than I do about this, this idea of corruption from your experience, that you said that there was only so far that you can go, and it sounds like it was so deeply entrenched that you came to this point where you were just fighting a losing battle. You know, how do those things happen? How do they get so deeply entrenched that a person like you, and it sounds like there was others who were bringing these ideas out, but it wasn't revealed enough or, you know, you, you would think that once you shine light on it, it, you could make it go away. It happens because those of us who could see something don't say something. And it's mm -hmm. as simple as that. And for the longer that we don't say anything and the more of us who don't say anything, the more likely it is to go wrong and the more power that those who are corrupt or that, that the deviation uh, from what's right, the more powerful that becomes until it, it, they become so good at it uh, that you have to have um, a massive quantity of people deciding that's not gonna happen anymore to stop it. And I think one really good example of that, I've been studying this recently, I write a blog for psychology today on corruption and women in government and leadership. And, um, and so I study it a lot. And NASA was a prime example, both cases where we had um, terrible incidents. It was because it was this, they call it, yeah, I, mean, I know you know this, the, I do, the yeah. normalization of deviation. Yes. So what happens is you see something that's deviant behavior, Nobody else is saying anything. So you think maybe you're not right or you just want to be one of the crowd. You want to get along. Yeah. And so you say nothing and you do nothing. And the longer you say nothing and do something, usually it accelerates and you start with one little thing. It's that slippery slope and it's OK. And then the next time, maybe you're a little bit more loose on it. And it continues until you end up with the challenger. Um, and. And, and that's been all, all been studied and well documented, but it happens in local government too. It happens in your personal life. Um, you make one bad choice and then it's easier to make the next one. Yeah. You know, it, it makes me think about something I've thought about. It's, it's going to seem like a weird analogy though, that, you know, people that live in a house and let's just say they live in a really dirty, filthy house. Okay. And then, and let's just say five people live in there. And then one day they decide to take the weekend and clean it up really, really well. And so then the five, three of them are gone uh, when, when it's being cleaned up. They come back and they're going, oh my gosh, this is so beautiful. But then steps in a person who lives in an immaculate house and they step into the house and they go, oh gosh, because of their, their perception of what clean is. And, it, it, and I, I think I'm trying, trying to draw this parallel to this idea that that the, the more corrupt it gets, that, you know, you, if you clean up just a little bit, you think, okay, things are really much better. But somebody like you coming from the outside in who <clears throat> maybe have zero tolerance for corruption, you still see a lot of it. You know, you, you still see where people have capitulated or turned the other look, oh, that's just a, uh, so they're rubber stamping it, so what? You just keep going, I mean, am I making any sense here? What? You are, and, um... Yes, and it is about perception because what happens is our perception changes, changes. Uh, over time, and the more we allow it, the 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 more our perception changes. And and it's so funny because it's all about what's in our heads. It's in our heads. It's not about and and what's in our heads is driving 
what happens then. And so it's really important to get those. And I still have to do this. I still make this mistake all the time is that if I have a question about something, I have to examine it regardless of what it is. And I don't a lot of time because I don't even know I'm not examining it. Half the time I dismiss it. I let it go. It's easier. It's, yeah. it's more convenient. It's more time effective. And, um, and so, yes, I, it is, it is a whole culture changes when we do that, when we don't use our voices and we don't speak our, we don't speak those insights that we have. But we run into exactly what you just said. You go into an organization be it a government or a private company, or it doesn't matter really, a board, a, a nonprofit, it doesn't matter. You go in there, and I've seen this happen uh, quite a bit on, on boards, not, not maybe to the point where it's corrupt, but for instance, <clears throat> I've seen many boards that they start off with the right idea, and then they simply, over time, they start serving themselves. So mm -hmm. e even if it's in, in, in a realm where, let's just say, maybe the work they're doing you know, might be slight, uh, slightly controversial or, or what, it, it really doesn't matter. You start getting pushback from the outside and then the board starts seeing it, us against them, us against the customers or the people that are on the outside. And so then you turn inwards and start protecting yourselves. And that's when, and so that's, that doesn't describe corruption, but that describes the changing of a culture in that we're now trying to do the things to stay alive. And, and we've lost I, sight of where we're going. Absolutely. It's a whole group thing. It's the blinders thing. It's the tunnel vision. Mm. And, um, and I think that's where this whole issue of bringing people in from the outside who can see it from a different perspective, oh, yes. who can put their finger on the com company culture and describe it. But it's also, as you say, it's the pushback. And one of the biggest things to look out for is that pushback. When you get that pushback, you've got to evaluate it and you've got to have people on the board who are strong enough to, um, to realize that you have to have outside input as well. Um, or you do, you do tend to become insular. And, and I will tell you that, that that's exactly what happens as an insider. That is exactly what happens on government boards as well. Um, you know, people get elected term after term after term, mm -hmm. they become comfortable, it works for them. And, and, and it does become us and them. And that's the saddest thing about it. And probably in almost any organization, even if it's for profit, the point is, if you don't serve your customers, you're not doing your, you, you will fail. And, yeah. and it's the same um, in, it's same in relationships. If, if you're not serving that relationship, it will fail. If you are not um, on a board, re remembering who your shareholders are as, as a government board, that it's we, the people and who owns that board? That board is owned by yeah. the people, but oh the people have a responsibility to oversee that board because it's their creation, even if it's just their ancestors' creation. It is our creation. It belongs to us, and it's our job to ride herd on it. Wow, man, I just love what you're saying here. So let me ask then, first of all, um, how do you how do you how do you keep your eyes open to we can call it corruption, but there's less lower levels of corruption. Again, maybe just, you know, uh, you know, ethics issues, which is, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm trying to parse my words here to suggest that it's not like complete corruption or not, that there's, there's probably a scale of corruption. There is corruption. a spectrum. Oh, a spectrum. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. So, so, you know, 
how, how do people start to open their eyes to these things? What are maybe some of the early signs or some of the red flags that you would suggest people kind of take notice of? One of them was what you just said, perhaps about the pushback, even inside the organization. So you, you ask something of another board member and they get uh, upset about it. Could be a red flag, right? That you're, you're trying to ask what's going on here. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a really good example. Um, anytime you have people who aren't open to discussing things, you, yeah. you, you have a potential problem. And, and I think um, a lot of the thing, you know, one of the simplest things is trust your gut. And it's so true because we have these instinctive things that do tell us if it doesn't if it doesn't pass the smell test, then take a look at it. It might be your own perception. It might be that you don't understand it. It might be they don't communicate well and everything's fine, but they don't communicate well. And so sometimes you'll find you, you trust your gut. You look at something. OK, everything's fine. But you still need to improve that communication so that everybody else doesn't have the same response. Um, and, and so I think a lot of times it is simply just trust your instincts and then speak to them. And it happens on a personal level, too. You, if you are evaluating your own responses to things and looking at them and questioning them and, and, and have people around you who can help you to um, look at how you look at things and ask those questions, it's important. So a lot of times in, in an organization, you can, you know, someone with skills like yours or mine can go in and they can, um, they can immediately get, get the company culture. And so there's, there, there are organizational cultures and those are, can be good or bad. And so that's one thing to look for is, is people who are asking the questions. If you've got whistleblowers, in, in the in the sewer district, we had three whistleblowers who all lost wow. their jobs at in at, in the mayor's office. The mayor had been sexually harassing three young women. Mayor kept his job, but the three young women lost theirs. Now, that's changed. He finally got his cup up and he finally went to work for a different county and the young women weren't taking it anymore. And uh, his their complaints were considered credible and he had to resign. So thankfully, he got his comeuppance. Um, but what I'm saying is when you get things like that, that's a sign that something's wrong. Um, if you're looking at the accounts for, for your local government at the budget and you can't understand them, something's wrong because it belongs to you and you ought to be able to understand it and it ought to be and you, you can break things down so that everyday people can get it. And that's how it should be. Um, because we are the ones who own that government. We should be able to understand what's going on. What about, Debbie, this concept of trust but verify? I think that was said by Ronald Reagan. <laughs> Love that. I, mm -hmm. I'll, I'll tell you just very, very quickly, just an anecdote, that when I was living in Germany, I recall meeting a gentleman. This, this was, we were actually like in a band together, actually a music band. And, uh, and he was a drummer. And when I met him, so I was in my 20s then, and I met him and just, you know, he just had so much uh, charisma, even as a young guy. He was probably a few years older than me. And uh, I remember I was like, man, I like this dude. He's got so much swag. He, what did he say swag? Back then? <laughs> He's so cool. He was just the coolest guy I'd ever been around. And I wanted to hang out with him and get to know him and just learn how to be that cool. Or just, he just had such charisma. And he was very smart and all these other sorts of things. And I'm going to say probably somewhere between three to six months later, um, we, we started to butt heads a little bit about something. Maybe it was about music or something like this. It wasn't bad, but I noticed that 
that that one thing turned the tide of our relationship. But worse than that, the more that I got to know them, I learned that this guy was an absolute snake in the grass. And I remember, I've never forgotten this. This was decades ago. And I still remember how, first of all, I mean, hurt's not the right word, but how, how, I remember how struck I was by, how did I miss it? I mean, the guy really was, turned out to be a real snake in the grass, got kicked out of the Air Force, and all these other sorts of things. But the difference between how I perceived him at first that I thought he was just, and, he, and, and I did think that he was just like this really high character person. I mean, just a really good person was, was part of the appeal. And then it turns out he was a really bad person. And so I think to myself, and this is sort of my question to you, it's this idea that trust but verify. When I get to know people, I do more or less trust them. I, I try to like them. I, I, I I see things that I like and I and I, I gravitate to them, but I always keep in the back of my head, I don't know this person. Yeah. And I, you know, one of the most important, if not the most important attribute, well, I'd say the most is integrity. But one of the most important attributes of a leader is charisma. Because we want to follow yes. people with charisma. Good point. Here's the problem though. It's also probably the most important um, trait of someone who's corrupt, a con man. And that's why they call them con men, because they can con smart people. And the more they do it, the better they get at it. And, um, you know, I'm glad you caught it. <laughs> and- Yeah, um, fortunately there wasn't that is a lot a on the line. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that that there are, uh, and, and you know, that, that goes to the whole behind the curtain concept and or the tip of the yes. iceberg concept. Yes. Tell me about that, though, because I want to know your feelings about this as you look back on your experience of going into this government and then seeing behind the curtains this idea of, you know, who you should trust, who you should not trust, and how you, I guess you sort of, uh, you know, keep your perception in check for a minute until you, you know, get to know the person. So, I mean, how do you go forward with something like that? Well, I, I'm going to tell you, I made exactly the same mistake i the mayor i was telling you about uh very huge charisma and i watch him on on old reruns of meetings now and oh my gosh i i i can't not believe him i want to believe him he is so convincing and i look at um the the supervisor who's the suicide in my story title and um again i i supported him i campaigned for him i walked street i walked precincts with him and and so you, I think, you know, the secret to this is you've got to show up. And if you show up, they will start to show up and you'll start to figure it out. Um, but you do have to show up. If you don't show up, you're, you will continue to be conned. And, Very and again, you do. Yes. And I think for me, the precept is seek first to understand. Oh, so you don't go in first and judge. You go in first with the open mind. You go in first to trust. And at the same time, you seek to understand. And if you're seeking to understand, often you will not be taken by that person forever. Yes. <laughs> it might take a while to figure it out. Um, Very good point here. No, yeah. no, no. I love what you're saying there because on the because this idea of seek to understand. So you're not going in aggressive. You're not going in as a, a pessimist or a cynic, just questioning everybody just because mm -hmm. of that that mood. Um, but rather, 
you're going in as a curious person and 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 if if you are curious you're curious about all things you see so you you're you're maybe trusting but verify so you know tell me about this and the more questions you ask again even with the right intention mm -hmm. eventually you start to go hmm i was told, absolutely told my, i told my kids uh, this a lot growing up particularly my two daughters i have a son as well and i would always say I'm not suggesting that you go get on people's bad side, but the truth of the matter is, is you never know someone's character until you're on their bad side. That's when you start to see things happen, you know, and how until you're on the bad side, did you say you never yes. know their character until yes. right, right. Yes. I mean, oftentimes it's that way that they they're charismatic. As long as things are good, they seem good. Suddenly you have a little falling out, and you see this whole different person. Yes, it's some, yes. If there is no tolerance for questioning, if there is no tolerance for um, for being a curious person, I think that is the the clue there. Be a curious person, wow. and if there's no tolerance for that, that is the biggest red flag you can get. Our whole country, our whole democracy, is built on spirited discourse. It's built on yes. people being able to have different different opinions, speak those opinions and reach solutions that serve the most of the people and the majority of the people while listening to the minority. Well, you can't possibly do any of that. Number one, if you're not a curious person, number two, if you don't show up and number three, if you don't question and openly discuss, wow. you cannot fix it. Oh man. I just love what you're saying there. I want to ask you two questions. I don't recall how much time we have left here, but I want to respect that. But there's two things I want to get out. One, I want to ask you about integrity. You, you, you're writing this series, Integrity 101. And just, I, I want to ask you about the definition of integrity, how you define it. And then the second thing, though, is I want to ask you how, it's kind of a, it's really a separate question altogether, but how do people look behind the curtains? And maybe you've already kind of addressed that, but there, there's almost a curtain for everything. You know, there, there's, there's things happening behind the scenes and what are some practical steps or a step that people can do? And again, maybe you've addressed that with the question asking. But so let me first ask you about integrity, though. How would you define integrity, Debbie? I, I love the word integrity. And I was absolutely stunned when I went online and discovered that nobody had Integrity 101. Nobody's doing anything called Integrity oh, wow. 101. I could nab that theme and make it mine. And right. I was really shocked. I was actually really worried. That bothered me a lot. <laughs> um, but the thing I like yeah. about the word integrity is no matter, um, you know, if, if you're a mathematician, it's about integers being the perfect numbers. And so you can you can grasp it from that angle. Um, if you're if you're in the human sciences, integrity is an entirely different thing. Um, but I think it's it's a it's something about purity and um, it's about cleanness and it's about mm. clarity. And and so I really like that whole concept. It's about um, best practices. And and at, on a personal level, I think it's it's about asking, you know, being curious about yourself as well. And and really, if you don't take the moat out of your own eye, you can't go chasing other people. So fix yourself first. And and for me, it took the form of having people around me who 
whose integrity I hugely respected, who would ask me those hard questions and who I could have yeah. those conversations with, yeah. who I could call up and say, you know, it never really occurred to me that I just say the Pledge of Allegiance and I just say it and I don't think about what it says and what I'm pledging. And I think that happens when people get sworn into public office too. Oh yeah, we're getting sworn in. But they don't really look at what they're saying to defend and protect from enemies within and without. And, wow. and so that within can also be within yourself. And, and I think that one of the very first things is to know thyself and examine I'm your own, your man. motives. So if it, I, that's why I'm such a fan of local government because it's nonpartisan and we don't have all the, the pollution that comes of having to play a party line. Um, it, 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 it really muddies the water. Um, it can wow. be a more pure... I have so much appreciation for that, what you're saying. I would also say about integrity, and I want your thoughts about this, that you see integrity, you know, or, or I should say lacking integrity, if you will, you know, it's not, it's not just for the corrupt people. It's for good people, too, because you can have, like, for instance, um, you know, you can go ask a person in your office to give you some feedback about how, you know, how do I come across in, in the office? You know, what am I... What am I like to work with? And you can come across a really good-hearted person who doesn't like conflict, who does this quick analysis in their head. Boy, if I tell him the truth, I, I don't want the drama, so I'm just going to say, no, you're great. That's lacking integrity, right? But maybe for the right reasons. I mean, would you agree with that? Or Well, um, yeah, you know, there are different kinds of communication, and you don't always have to tell everybody everything. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah. there's no, there's probably not an obligation. And so you can yeah. take that too far. And uh, sometimes the most blunt people are your most helpful people, even when they're the most, yeah. it's the hardest yeah. to take. Um, and then sometimes you'll get criticism, which is entirely on, you know, you have to be able to weigh those right. things up. Yeah. Um, Good but point. yes, there, if you're, let's say, for instance, you're speaking in public comment, you may go in and you may do it in a, in a, um, a, a non-aggressive way, even when it's something very, very, very bad, um, but you want it to be heard. So in order for it to be heard, you have to couch it in terms that people can hear right. and not immediately polarize. So right. yes, I, I, I think that there is room for um, evaluating how you come across when you're saying things. And, yes. but you know, your example is, but my is, point is there, a good just example make... of good people who Yes. have their own thing going on. And that's and that's my point is that I think many of us can dismiss we'll, we'll say the following, you know, I'm an honest person. And that, you know, and 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 that could still be true, but still find yourself at a crossroads with integrity. You know that that you know, and I don't suggest to your point, you know, I would do the evaluation too. If somebody in in my when I used to work in an office came up to me and I knew that you know, I knew their character was not very high and that they would come after me mm -hmm. and I was suspicious about why they were asking me. I would probably I would probably pass too because you're weighing two different values. You're weighing two different things, one up against the other. But but yet and still I'm not telling them the truth, you know. And so you, you so what? so yeah. Please. I think that what you're talking about is exactly what we need to be doing. Yeah. And and I don't know that there is 
Well, I my answer to that is if you know someone's asking you a, a question to attack, you don't hand them the bat. You know, don't agree. give them no, the bat to agree. beat you with. Yeah, Obviously, right. that that personal that mm -hmm. that loyalty to yourself mm -hmm. is, and and in fact, the whole rest of the world, if mm -hmm. they're corrupt and they're going to beat mm -hmm. you up because you say something mm -hmm. to them, then it would be corrupt to mm -hmm. to allow them to. Yes. And so I think that's the important. Those are the important conversations to have. That very mm -hmm. thing that you're raising. Um, there aren't easy answers a lot of times, mm. but if if we are at least have the integrity to ask those questions of ourselves yeah. and discuss them with other people whose integrity we trust, yes. Um, and therein we'll lies better. the point that I think the most one of the one of the very important point that you're bringing up here is that we even even if we believe and know ourselves to be good people, we should struggle within ourselves about you know, whether we're doing the right thing as often as possible, as in, you know, where it is possible, you know, because sometimes you will get to that road where you, where you have to struggle with some character issue or whether to be honest or not honest about something, you know, what, what is your motive behind it? Is it simply that I don't want the conflict and therefore uh, I don't want to burden myself or is it, you know, what, what is it? Wh why are you not being honest about something? If you get to this point where you can just throw it out there and never think about the integrity behind it, then that's a problem. But if you're, you know, but I guess I think people ought to struggle with if they told a white lie, I'm going to struggle with it. I, I'm not just going to be like, mm -hmm. oh, well, you know, so what? <laughs> you know? I think, I think, I you know, know the, the secret to that is don't blow it off. Um, because that's what we do all the time because mm -hmm. it's easier. It's systemic. We, it's easier to blow it off. You know, we have to have ways of looking at things. Mm -hmm. We have to be able to some mm -hmm. extent to, to categorize things. And, 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 and that's not a bad thing. It's a, it's a good thing that our brains do to us, but, but <laughs> it's got, it's got, there's got to be balance with that. Yeah. So I would just say, don't blow it off. Gosh, I love your perspective. Yeah. You're so smart about all this. You really are. You put it in such perspective for, people to understand. So let me just then ask you about looking behind the curtains. And again, I think you partially, uh, you know, at least in part, answered the idea that asking questions. But let me let me pose it like this. So there are people, let's say young people, young professionals going into the workplace, and let's say they're going into a large corporate environment, and they got to figure out, you know, who to trust, or they have to, you know, that, that you know, maybe for some reason they're working in an environment where there might be some things happening behind the curtain or under the water that they're unaware of. I'm not suggesting that because you're a new professional that you have to know every all the inner workings, but I guess I'm asking how would one approach this idea of going into a workplace and just, you know, looking behind the curtains where they need to. I'm not sure I mean, that I set that question it's up. Such right a difficult. That's that's yeah. a hard one to answer. And I I think for me, I'm I'm looking back to well, how did I do it when I did it? Yeah. And I think you go in with good attitude. Attitudes number one, and then you and you keep your eyes open, keep yeah. your eyes open, be alert, be aware, um, and yes, be curious, ask questions. Honestly, I think if you're in a good organization, they will value you asking questions. That's how you'll learn. That's very good. And um, and and but not by being um, not by being obstreperous. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? like an interrogator um, or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we're not interrogators, and yeah. and 
um, even when you're looking at corruption, interrogation, unless you're the FBI, probably isn't going to be your best way of yeah, operating, yeah, you know, unless the yeah. circumstances are right. Um, or, but as a member of the public, certainly um, in local government, you ought to be interrogating. Um, <laughs> so I, I think just keep your wits about you. I think that's it. Keep your wits about you. And as you say, trust, but verify. Um, but the last thing you want to do is to come across as untrustworthy. That just that just switches everything the wrong way, yeah. even with good people. Yeah. And so some of it's going to be demeanor is important. Yeah. You too. don't want to be snooping around. I guess part mm -hmm. of it, and just as you're talking, I just realized I it really didn't set that question up well. But but I guess I'm I'm asking for those people that I have seen over the years who have been a part of a corrupt organization or or just not a good organization. I mean, again, corruption is a pretty tough term, just not really an ethical or a character-based organization. And they work with them for a while and suddenly realize I was a bad, a part of this really bad organization mm -hmm. and I never knew it. I guess that's the thinking behind my question. And you still answered it quite well about keeping your wits about you, keeping your eyes open be, you know, be of good character, you know, don't yeah. go in there and snooping and interrogating, but. And remember, I think always too, remembering what, what is the objective of the organization? Who do you work for? What are you supposed to be doing there? And just go mm -hmm. in and do your job and, and do those things. <laughs> and, and if you find that, that, that is not that, that, the goals of the organization have been that people are skewed off of what your mission is. If you don't know what your mission is um, or if they're not following the mission, then uh, check into bringing it back. And if you bring it and if there's no interest in bringing it back to the mission, then something's up. How interesting. And, yeah. Yeah. That's um, very good. You know, I'll but be you honest. can't know up front. There's, you, no, can't you can't know up front. No, you can't. You can't. You can't. You know, Debbie, I, well, we both know this. We came into this uh, conversation not completely clear about where we were going. I knew there was a lot of fascinating things about you and your life and your work, but I just love where you brought this around to, to the idea of integrity, of, you know, of transparency and how necessary it is for us to just keep our eyes open with what's going on around us. You also engaged with this idea of improving things, which was your whole point for going into the city council, wasn't it? And and the mayorship to to improve things. <laughs> Leave it better than you found it. Leave it better than yeah. you found it. That's a beautiful idea. Well, listen, uh, there's so much more that I can ask you about, but I know we're running up against the clock here. And so I do want to ask, you know, first of all, can you just quickly share about the Integrity 101 series so that people understand what that is and what to be on the lookout and then share with the audience where can they find you, where they, can they find your works, your books, your podcast? Because you got a podcast going too, don't you? I have a podcast called Corruption Chronicles. I love it. And um, I also have an online course, um, Double Dias Adventures in Local Government. And that's how we can work together as elected representatives and as citizens. And um, the books are The Happiest Corruption, Sleaze, Lies, and Suicide in a California Beach Town. And then if I've got your attention and you want to take it further, I have City Council 101 um, Insider's Guide for New Council Members. And I've got one coming up, which is um, 
is we the people 101 how to beat city hall because people think you can't and of course you can and so i want to equip people to do that and the best place to find all of those things and the links to them is just to go to debbiepeterson.com d-e-b-b-i-e-p-e-t-e-r-s-o-n debbiepeterson.com you'll find everything and more that'll help you with all of that and um you can buy my books in bookstores or at amazon um Barnes and Noble online, any of those places. And, and they'll take you links to other places that will help. And all of that, as we always do is make sure that the links will be in, in the description of this podcast and everywhere else. So they'll have it there, but I just love to ask and get to get people just to hear it from your own voice. So, well, listen, I, I can't thank you enough. Uh, this is a fascinating conversation and uh, we should probably do it again. There's a lot more to talk to you about. And I would uh, love to I, do that. I, you're a serious person. You're delightful. You really are. But I also know you are a very accomplished human being and professional. And I just, I'm such a privilege to have you on my podcast. Thank you. That's, that's a high honor. Thank you so much. Pleasure is mine. So we'll talk again soon, I hope. Me too. Okay.